0: As I replay it back, since I've now kind of been a leader and a manager for a while now, I know I probably could have handled that communication with a bit more empathy. Because we all know, when, when when people leave as as a manager, it's it's not typically not a good day. I mean, you're it's bittersweet because you're you're happy that they're they're moving on, but you're sad for you not not having that that person to work with anymore. And I feel like I could have had a little bit more empathy in how I delivered my message there, especially now that I'm I've been in that
1: seat. From Exabeam, this is the new CISO, a show about the people who lead IT security teams, the challenges they face, and how they overcome them. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to hear our new episodes first. I'm Steve Moore, and today we're kicking off our first ever three-part series with my longtime friend and former colleague, Chris Frederick, Deputy CISO at Baxter International. Chris began his career as a technician and met me on a small security team managing a very large network. Morale was great until a new opportunity changed everything for both of us. He joins me to cover key lessons from the beginning of his career and sets the stage for two valuable episodes to come. High candor and confidence are vital aspects of communication and information security. So how do you deliver the news that you're leaving a company? And how should a manager take it? After detection, what's the best way to escalate and notify? And where can Memento More be applied to leadership? Chris, first off, thank you so much for making time to be on the show. Uh, I know you listen and you know the question I'm going to ask. For the uninitiated, tell us, tell us about yourself, Chris.
0: Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Steve, for having me on. This is a uh... One of those things. Since you ever since you started doing this, I've been looking for, forward to an opportunity to come on and, and chat. So, so thanks for having me on. So, so, yeah, I'm I'm Chris. I've been in this field of of IT security now for just under twenty years. uh Pretty much straight out of college for me, and knew right away that this this field of IT or this field of, of infosec, this discipline within IT, is where I wanted to spend my my long term career. So. I've always been on kind of the technical side of information security. My my goals for the longest time were to be a, a pen tester, an intrusion analyst, and a security engineer. But all of that changed for me after getting into leadership, where I found a, a new calling, a, a new purpose, and a new passion. And that's what I've been been focused on for the last eight or so years of my career, is really becoming a great information security leader. I'm currently the, the deputy CISO at Baxter International. I'm brand new and into my role there but but really excited to be a part of the, the Baxter team
1: awesome yeah and congratulations on that we'll get more into how you ended up at Baxter later in our recording taking it back a little bit though how did you get your start in infosec
0: yeah i kind of fell into it actually uh, oddly enough I was in college and i was taking courses towards my major which was management information systems and I had an advisor say hey why don't you once you pick up a, a minor in insurance and risk management, thinking, oh, maybe I'll get a job at a, at an insurance company, not really knowing that risk management and IT MIS was infosec, right? So, so kind of fell into it that way. Got my first job out of college, basically doing, uh, access operate, uh, IAM operations and, and, uh, and, and really fell in love with the field from there on.
1: Now you didn't do that for very long, for too many years. So at least knowing where you ended up, you know, that was often the starting point for a lot of people, even interns and such might end up there in access operations. How long did you do that before you made a move to another team?
0: Yeah, I think I did that for, gosh, maybe two or three years. I I had always, as I mentioned before, always had the eye towards the more technical, the more nerdy uh, network security, the, the, those types of, of functions. But uh, yeah, did that for a couple of years and then ultimately moved over to the, uh, the, the technical security team where, where you and I met.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, I think for a while it was, yeah, technical security or network security is what it was called, I think for a little while. And yeah, that would have been about 2006, if I remember correctly, probably mid year 2006. Um, what are your memories from from that period in time? Right, so we were we were at a at a fairly large financial company, and you know, student loan uh, specifically, and had a very small team managing a fairly large network. Uh, what memories do you have from that period of time?
0: Yeah, one one that kind of sticks out to me. I, I distinctly remember right before that that transition period of, of going from the access operations work to to the more advanced technical stuff. I remember there was a, a specific platform that I had been shown some interest in and was kind of shown the ropes a little bit. And uh, suddenly the person that was kind of the primary on that particular tool platform left. And then it's like, okay, Chris, you're the guy now for, for this tool. I, I distinctly remember thinking like, oh my God, I'm I'm not ready for this. I don't know what I'm doing here. But it's one of those things where it's just you got to kind of stick with it and just kind of focus on on what you know and kind of continue to learn and grow as, is, as time goes on. That's one of my more more early memories from, from that time.
1: So what were you doing on that team? What were the responsibilities for the listener? I mean, they don't know. What was the the scope of this team's sort of mission, right? You were an analyst. You weren't in leadership yet. You had uh, technical responsibilities in you know day to day operations. What explain that just for the listener?
0: Yeah, it was a uh, was a little bit of everything as as most security teams are. But we had to play play the role of of engineer, so building and supporting these these systems, making sure they had appropriate visibility and they're patched and updated and all those things. But also doing the analyst work as well. So so actually using the tools um, to to go out and look for and, and 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 find that thing
1: and further detail there i mean there was i know there was network endpoint uh vulnerability right a pretty good variety from what i recall
0: yeah yeah threat intelligence network like you said network network visibility network forensics ty- type of capabilities as well as a whole host of endpoint network capabilities
1: how did you feel like i can tell you from my standpoint uh, my path was a little bit different. I had done other technical things outside of InfoSec for a period of time, and had actually tried to get on that team. It took three rounds, meaning three distinct sort of opening positions to get in there before uh, I got on. And then from my perspective, it was sort of a kind of a life-changing event getting on that team because I had been working kind of on my free time to, to learn this stuff to, you know to the degree that I could with open source tools and things like that. And I can remember how, it being a small team, but also how much fun it was. Like I, there were bad days because bad things can still happen, outages and stuff. But to me, those days were amazing. I don't know how you how you felt in that period of time, but that really kind of laid the foundation. I had the passion for the for the the duty kind of thing, but uh, you know the the tasks and and the tools and the engineering and the response, the analytical thinking. But I can remember also never really having a bad day. I think we all got along very well. There was a high degree of esprit de corps. Anything else you remember about that kind of working together, uh, like the the work day?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like, like you said, like it was so much fun. But at the same time, when it's when it's time to work, when it's all hands on deck, like like we all jumped in and it, it got very serious at that point. But and those those rare times in InfoSec where it's it's not, you know, firefighting. Uh, we, we definitely had a lot of fun and a lot of lot of goofing off, which which definitely uh, helped the days go by.
1: I think that there's, when you have the lesson I learned from that, I'm curious to see what, what you think. But a lot of what you have to do, there's a lot of tedium. There's a lot of um, sometimes stress, even though that it's fun. Uh, in many organizations, I've said this before on the show, sometimes having an outage is worse than having a bad intrusion or, you know, even a breach sometimes, right? It can, it can affect things in a negative way. Uh, and we don't want that. Right. But, but in the downtime, uh, there was always just, you know, foolish shit going on, uh, where you kind of had a moment to kind of, I don't know, have fun or, or, uh, make jokes Uh, we were locked away for those that don't know, we had this sort of semi-secure environment. So you're sort of locked away, uh, in this upstairs, you know, second floor, uh, location. And so, you know, you could probably get away with a little more up there as well. Um, any lessons you learned in that period of time, right? You're still technical. Uh, what did you learn to do then that sort of paved the way, or maybe things you learned then that you want to see your technicians do today?
0: A couple of things. Um, I, I, I learned in, in that time, again, kind of the, the importance of curiosity, right? And we've, we've talked about that a lot, but like uh, as an analyst engineer, having that, that kind of inbuilt sense of curiosity when things happen, like like pulling on, on the threads and actually going out to, 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 research things, how, how important that is. Um, that, that was a big thing. I, if I, It's like, Working through different incidents as, as they would come up and and, and seeing how, how organizations respond to those was uh, was another kind of eye opening thing for me going into and being a part of it all.
1: How does meaning specifically? How does it, when there is a major incident? How does the rest of everyone else act? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I'll say, and this is kind of tactical, but I think it's really worth mentioning because uh, it's a it's a skill that stays with us forever. Is one of the distinct memories I have is, you know, one of the things you're into, one of my early leadership lessons, you have to, before you have a fancy title, we all must learn to lead with influence uh, first. And an element of that, as you know very well, is writing well and writing clearly. And that's one of the things you and I worked on. I can remember very early on, you know, you're sort of acting, as you mentioned, as engineer, as analyst, as responder, like we didn't have separated roles. We were all sort of doing that all of it together. And so you're you're having to give suggestions. You're writing after action reports. You're having to make, you know, making uncomfortable organizational changes, pulling favors from people that don't report to you, that work in other areas. So I remember working on kind of direct messaging uh and and clearer messaging very early on. I don't know if you've got a Anything you'd add or 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 bring into that, but I see it still as a challenge today for many organizations that their SOC analysts and technical security people just don't write well enough or confidently enough.
0: Yeah. Uh you, you just hit it. I think confidence is a big part of that. And definitely for me, early on, my, my, my confidence was 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 pretty low. So like I would use a lot of qualifying words, you know, I think's and and, and things like that. And I you mean know, definitely something you and I worked on is like being more proactive and we will do this and, and, and things of that nature. So
1: I distinctly remember sitting over there and send me that email and then it's like delete. And then, yeah, no, we will at this time we will. Yeah. And it's, you kind of have to, right. And, and otherwise people won't take you seriously. And the other thing back, I mean, still think of myself as a kid, even though I'm not, I got a lot of gray hair, but we were, we were pretty damn young, you know, running that there was a lot of more senior people. Than us, both in title and in age. So we had to, and honestly, the other thing that I learned is how does a security team build credibility? Uh, I don't know that we, early stages of the team and other teams I've been a part of struggled a bit with sort of elements of relevance. They were kind of seen as sort of the bottom of the IT barrel uh, back then in many ways. I loved it. There's nothing else I wanted to do, but there was others that kind of, kind of poked fun at InfoSec and you kinda of had to you kinda of had to work a little harder. Did you ever feel that way?
0: Uh yeah, a bit. Um yeah, definitely. And and as you mentioned before, being kind of secluded and isolated from from everybody else, I think kind of hurt us in, in, in some ways of not being there kind of like in, in, in the trenches and whatnot. But yeah, definitely would would agree with that. I'll tell you something else I, I, I just thought of too, kind of thinking back to to early lessons from our, our, our time there. Kind of the importance of uh, of having, or the value of having dissenting views and opinions. Because I, I remember specifically one meeting you and I were in, and we were talking about okay, it's dr time. Like, what's important? What's most important to come up first? And you and I had some differing opinions on on which which tool technology should should be kind of first and, and foremost there. So having that good, healthy, high candor conversation was what that was one of my earlier memories of of the importance of that kind of dialogue.
1: I don't remember that at all. Oh yeah. I don't remember what it would have been that I would have been so spirited about, but I definitely believe I would have been, I probably had a really good reason, or at least I think I would have, but I may not have, I don't know. I can remember, I mean, you and I talked about this where there was the other thing that can sometimes happen. I'll try to do this with a little bit of grace, but, um, you know, being evaluated and having, having pen tests occur and not know, of course, like we didn't know when they were going to be scheduled. There's another team that sort of did that. So you're kind of being evaluated and it's better if you tell the story, but I remember you found something and, you know, you, then you have other people that want to question, you know, did you get lucky or did you actually find it? And then other people kind of want to take credit. And there's this sort of long tail of, you know, security drama that can happen. I don't know if you want to tell part of that, tell that story or just, because I, I think it's important. I think it's important to have these, like when you detect something, how do you escalate? How do you, so it's all about detection, escalation, notification, right? Letting senior management know and doing that in a way that's clean. And I don't know that we did it the best way, but we, we found the problem. So uh, enlighten us on the story. I think it's a fun one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So there was one particular day, I think I was on call and it was my my turn to be to be watching the the ids console and saw some some strange things it's like oh gosh that's that's odd and, and whatnot so so kind of reaching out to you and to others saying hey we're seeing these these strange things and eventually kind of things get ratcheted up and, and the teams who are running the the pen tests are are people who were escalating to so they're in on it and of course it gets all the way up to to the cso and what we're going through and I think it was you who mentioned. Oh, this looks like a this looks like a pin test. And then at that point, like like oh, who said anything about a pin test? And the whole whole thing kind of went went from there. But you know, to to your point of of kind of the the the, the credit aspect, there was a lot of questions afterwards. Of like oh, did you did you know what you were doing, or did you just get lucky kind kind of thing? And I think uh, a, a leadership lesson there in terms of and we we've, we've talked about this a lot in terms of leadership, where the team owns the successes. And, and the leader owns the failures, right? So like in that case, that success should have, have, have gone straight to the team and, and should have been celebrated that way versus kind of questioned.
1: Look, there's some cases where you're going to just get lucky in life. My father used to always say it's better to be lucky than good. And sometimes that's going to happen. But in this case, it was a result of you were doing your damn job. And you called at the time. I don't know if I was team lead yet or not. You asked for, hey, what do you think about this? Which is very common. We all sat kind of in a row, and I got looking into it. And I was really big into—I can remember this very cleanly—in this platform we had. You know, there's sort of these these strings that are sort of (laughs) that are available to to review. So I jump in, and I was really big into—you remember Johnny? I hack stuff, just Google dorking, and just you know these sorts of—you could do a lot in early days of Google. And specifically, there was a variable that was relatively static, even though this was supposed to be a dynamic scanner. So I even went in and I could figure out roughly the type of scanner, the tools, and even the version they were using because of this, this string, this variable that was getting sort of thrown up against one of the sensors. And so that's one of the things in conjunction with all these other alerts. And and you know this was early days, but I took offense early on. I've mellowed out a lot, but I got pissed off because someone who should have been very happy, specifically that, that you had done your job, But it made a comment that, uh, well, kind of inferring like, well, you know, you got to your point, you got lucky, which I thought was just an absolute shit statement because it was. And so that that kind of bristled me a little bit uh, more. But yeah, I I had forgotten about that story until you reminded me of it uh, not that long ago. And then I was reflecting on on that bit of fun. Yeah, a lot of good memories there, I think. So then what did we do there? How did we so we're together at this point? We're working together. Uh, another big event happens from a career standpoint. Uh, we change companies. Tell us about that.
0: Yeah, yeah that that was uh, that was an interesting time for sure as well. Back then, it was um, you know the opportunity come up to, to, to go to a new job, new new company, and kind of build out new capabilities there. So it was a uh, an interesting time. It's it's um, we since we were all like you, me, and and a few others kind of all got the had the opportunity to come up all at the same time. So. It was interesting going through the process of putting in your notice and, and whatnot, and we probably could have timed things a little bit better, I think, but uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, well, no, I'm going to push on you a little bit. Dig into that. What happened? Not everyone got an, an invitation to go to the new company. So the CISO moved to the new company, and I think this is important for the listener because this, this happens, right? And a member of leadership leaves and goes to a new company, and they recruit other people. Like At, at some point in time, they bring them over. And this is a this is the big deal. And this is a really big thing for the, there's a lot of emotions around this is the way I'll say it, right? For both both the people leaving and, and going. This is a tough thing and this needs to be managed well. Our manager at the time was pissed off. He was not invited ultimately, or he decided not to go, I think is the way to say it. He was angry at the staff because he had just lost most of his team. So walk through, give us your view of that because I think this is an important it's a, it's a good story for many reasons, but I think it's even better as a leadership lesson. So maybe tell the story and then maybe we'll, we'll reflect on kind of the, the leadership impact.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it was, we had all kind of gotten the, the, the the calls and and whatnot. And then we all kind of timed it to where we would all kind of go in and do our, our, our kind of our, our notice that, Hey, we're leaving kind of thing in stages. So, so it was a uh, couple of us. Like one other person went first. I went second, and then you came in last. And uh, you know, as, as as you said, the response was different. It was it was definitely not a "oh ha- happy to see you go" kind of thing. There was definitely a lot of of anger, and uh, certainly led to a little bit of fear um, as, as well. So yeah, definitely a lot of le- leadership lessons in there. And I'll also say for from my part thinking kind of as i replay it back since i've now kind of been been a, a leader and a manager for for a while now i know i probably could have handled that that communication with a bit more empathy because because we all know and when, when people leave as, as a manager it's it's not typically not a good day i mean you're it's bittersweet because you're you're happy that they're they're moving on but you're sad for for you not not having that that person to work with anymore and I feel like I could have had a little bit more empathy in how I delivered my message there, um, especially now that I'm I've been in that seat.
1: Well, what would you? I mean, what do you recommend? What would you have done differently? Right? I mean, you you resigned. You gave your two weeks. You said you were leaving. Right? I mean, you did your job and you did your job well. What would you have done differently?
0: Um, I, again, it's it's the the communications. Like I kind of I, I I wish almost wish we would have done things a little bit differently in terms of. Instead of staggering it the way we did, where it was like bang, 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 this this person's getting all this bad news at once. Maybe you know, do it a little bit differently, so to kind of lessen that 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 repetitiveness of of, of bad news.
1: I will tell you this: this person, we're talking. I don't I don't want to use his name. Uh, he he's not with us anymore. I hold him in incredibly high regard. He gave me my start uh, in information security. He and I got along extraordinarily well. Uh, I I can say so many good things about him. And I, I, you know, so anything that I would say about this guy that and it's, it's a great person, a great situation was an amazing job. But to your point, he had a bad day that day. And to add a little more color to this, I was out of the office. This happened on a Friday, if I remember correctly, Thursday or Friday, I can't recall. I was out. My girlfriend at the time, she had a, a an, an ill family member And was doing a, was on this registry and was doing this bone marrow process. Uh, She was in the hospital for a long time, helping a stranger and wanted me to be there. And so I'm getting phone calls about this stuff as I'm out. And I hear as I'm leaving that this manager of ours got very upset and was very aggressive to you and one other person in particular. And from my past, uh, what I probably could have done differently. But I came in that Monday and I was, I shared what was going on and, and kind of wanted to fight because I was that pissed off. And I said, well, I heard you've really, you know, given these other guys hell. Now I'm ready for mine. Let's get at it. And he got more angry, uh, as he probably should have. And I should not have said those things, but I was trying to make a point. And I said, you know what? Those guys out there, they really respect you. I said, they care for you. Uh, They hold you in so high regard, and and the fact that you would treat them that way, back to a leadership lesson, I said, that hurt them. I said, it's beyond anything else. They are hurt by the way you acted. I said, so if we're going to do hurtful things and going to be angry and we're going to yell, I said, give me my share right now. And I'm leaving some of this out because it's some of my own language and other things that don't really add to the story, but you can imagine. But I remember all that very, very distinctly. And I share this on this podcast with your help, because this is going to happen. It's going to happen. You're going to do it. Someone's going to do it to you. And just remember, especially our bad day factor in this field is very high. And it's been proven that stress with other people, if you come out, you know, you'll come out stronger and there's these bonds that are formed, even if you don't talk to each other, you know, all the time. And when that breaks up, it's there's an extra emotional response, right? It's because our, again, high bad day factor, we get to know these folks. And when there's a, a breakup like this, it's it's extra emotional. So the other thing I'd say, and I'd like you to get your feedback on this, is that it's always an opportunity. People were upset that didn't leave, that didn't get the invitation. I said, look, now's your chance to step up and elevate yourself. That Our absence that we're leaving is a chance for you to step into bigger roles. I remember saying that to folks. On the way out, one of the last things I said. Do you anything else you remember about that phase? Like before we started the other company, any other opinions or thoughts?
0: Hmm. You're just kind of you d- double clicking on a couple things there. So you, you mentioned kind of the kind of the after effects of, of that anger on on you know, especially me as as, as kind of a, a young up up and coming security professional. Like later on, like as, as time went on, I, I remember hearing stories from. From that uh, individual who said, Oh, they're, those, those guys are dead to me now. Like, but not really knowing it, Was he serious? Was he joking kind of thing? And then as, as, as time, as time went on, as, as you mentioned, he's, he's no longer with us. Like not getting closure on that. Like I, I, I don't think I, I'd sent him a couple of emails after and never got any kind of response. So, but like not being able to, to close that off, right? Is, uh, uh, something, something that, that I've been thinking a lot about, um, in my personal life as well in terms of, Hey, this, this could all end at some point. Right. So, uh, so they definitely take those opportunities. Don't, don't leave things unsaid like that.
1: Yeah. That's a really good point. I mean, he, again, he gave me my start and I did everything I could for him. I worked my ass off for that man and I was happy to do it. And yeah, after I left, I don't know that I ever talked. I don't know that I ever, there might have been a text or an email or something at once, but I think he quit. I don't remember. I may have seen him. I think I saw him once randomly, but he, I know that there was several that reached out and no response. So yeah, another good lesson, right? This all goes beyond our professional career. It's much bigger than that. So yeah, don't, and maybe even just a call to, you know, if there's people that you've worked with that, uh, that means something to you that, you know, you've had, I can think back on many people that I should reach out to uh, just to do so. If you're thinking about it, do it. Uh, as you said before, it's too late.
0: There's a, So I, I really got into uh, stoicism over the, the pandemic. And one of the the big things in stoicism is memento mori, right? So remember, you will die. So, so live in the present, right? Because those things uh, can happen.
1: Well, I think we'll probably get more into that here in a little bit. But uh, honestly, I think this... This section, for the listener, there's there's this first piece you're listening to now, and then there's a whole other chapter where Chris and I did breach response together and and all sorts of craziness there. And then there's another chapter where we split apart and we go our, our own ways, and and he's done some really interesting stuff since. Uh, but this kind of helps you get to know a little bit of how we got our start together, and we'll kind of end this particular section and then we're going to start kind of a a new adventure at a new company but to those listening thank you and we'll pick up on the next show that is it for this episode of the new ciso thank you for listening check out more episodes on xbeam.com forward slash podcast remember to rate review and subscribe to get brand new episodes first